you are your own healer. You are the medicine that you've been seeking. Don't seek magic bullets. Don't even listen to me necessarily. Listen to yourself or learn to listen to yourself. And if vitamin N has taught me anything, if nature has taught me anything, if forest bathing has taught me anything, it's that I know far more than I give myself credit for. I just don't always acknowledge it until I take the time to get into a bit more of a meditative, omnipresent state and become my own medicine. Remember that there's no one outside of you that knows you better. And to not try and find healing from others because you are the medicine that you've been looking for. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the fields of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Ravenhill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. Yarrow Willard has become a highly respected herbalist and educator, not because of the legendary status his father Terry has garnered, but because Yarrow set out to blaze his own path. In 2008, he and his wife began Harmonic Arts, a rapidly growing plant medicine company that first sprouted on Vancouver Island and now has spread its influence far and wide. Yarrow is also director of Wild Rose College of Natural Healing, which his father Terry founded in 1975, and a director of Levity Labs, an emerging multidisciplinary integrative wellness company with an emphasis on psychedelic therapies. He is a gifted plant educator, which is evident from his wildly popular Herbal Jedi YouTube channel. With his trademark enthusiasm, Yarrow shares a bounty of wisdom on topics such as the emergence of the highly successful Harmonic Arts brand, lessons of early entrepreneurialism, and his formative years with both parents ensconced in the natural health industry. Yarrow takes us on his own journey with plants as medicine, including his love for fungi and the powerful healing potential of entheogens. He concludes the conversation with timely and sage advice on reconnecting with nature and finding the medicine within us. In only four decades, Yarrow has had an immeasurable impression on the culture of plant medicine in Canada. He has some rousing goals for the immediate future, and I can only wait expectantly for the impact he will generate over the next four to six decades. Please enjoy this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Herbal Jedi Yarrow Willard. Yarrow, welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio. Really great to see you. It's great to see you. Great to have you here. Thanks for connecting with me this morning. You have, you've really emerged over the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years as a bit of a legend in herbal medicine, especially in this part of the world in British Columbia. And I'm so impressed by what you've done and what you've created and by the consciousness you've brought to plants and plant medicine and how, and bringing those to people. And I'm really excited just to have a chat with you and get to know a bit more about you and what you've been working on and and what makes you tick because I think it's really cool, everything that you've been doing. Well, thank you. And I first, I guess I first probably started learning about you when you launched Harmonic Arts, which is an incredible brand of, I don't know, what do we, what do you call it? plant-based <laughs> natural-based foods I'll let you I'll let you put those words out 
Yeah, it's a bit of an evolution, right? Like anything um, worth growing, it changes and changes and changes. You know, originally harmonic arts was just a, a feeling from the plants, like bring the plants and they will come. People need this. Uh, everywhere around me anyway, I noticed as we as I finished my herbal diploma program and got through all my schooling, I recognized that everyone is their own healer in some ways and plant medicine is people's medicine. And this just kind of fundamental piece was why we started that was that plant medicine is for everyone and it needs to be accessible and connected in into the lives of those who want it. So we just felt called to bring that to the world and really, as cheesy as it may sound, the plants told me to do so <laughs> in a way. I'm not surprised. Did you have a particular experience or ceremony where that happened? Well, I, I guess um, in, in, you know, my father was a herbalist before me, so second generation. And one of the things he kind of entrained into us growing up is is to look for the golden thread um, kind of at, through life in that sense. And uh, we did a bunch of different types of ceremonial um, meditational work and things like this over years so I've often just felt guided and um, tuned into that world just from from the beginning of my life as a philosophical base so yeah it was more that um, seeing around me so much imbalance in our world I mean consistently we're just out of touch out of out of contact with our planet and knowing that the best way to heal is through nature and through being in in connection with the planet and so plant medicine is just really a vehicle for people to reconnect to their own innate ability to heal so that to me was just a fundamental building block for for what we all need right now and really this is just a vehicle to support the body healing itself right and that was the, one of the bases of healing that a lot of people don't always remember when they look for magic bullets and things that are going to help them heal they forget that their body is innately, it has the capacity and the intelligence to heal itself. The plants are just guides. The, the education is the wisdom that can help entrain our mind and our heart to get into rhythm with our own healing capacity. Anyway. Yeah. So when you started out with harmonic arts, I mean, first of all, what a competitive industry to get into the food industry and now especially the superfoods and and plant and herbal industry they're giants in that industry and many of those giants have now been bought up by multinational corporations who have marketing budgets that are probably 10 times the size of your annual revenue and all, right? all due respect <laughs> but they they just have massive leverage behind what they're doing and so for you to come into that i remember the early days seeing, I believe they were green packages, all with the same st type of label on them. They didn't pop off the shelf, but it was something that being on Vancouver Island and picking up a package and seeing that it was also Vancouver Island based, had that local feel to it. And clearly you were, Harmonic Arts was always more about this, the plants, the medicine, the food than it was about the marketing side of things, the gimmick side of things. And slowly over the years, I watched that brand evolve into more products, more shelf placement, more attractive packaging. The product line kept expanding. And now how many years in are we? We're getting close to 15. We're about 14 15. years in. Wow. And now it's just like what you've done with it. I'm so impressed. 
it's just the trajectory has been phenomenal. And now it doesn't seem like you're actually competing with those brands that were there before, at least in our part of the world, because people are actually seeking out your products because we know they're of the highest quality and highest ethical standards. Talk to me a bit about that journey and what that was like from... I want to go back to the very genesis. You said the plants gave you the idea, but I want to find out how that very first package got put out to market, whether that was at a farmer's market or on a shelf or how that happened. Well, like many great businesses, starting in a farmer's market community um, is, is where we started. You know, we just, we knew we needed to make medicine. We wanted to um, craft up for our own health and for our local community. And so that's where we really started. But I have this like underlying kind of philosophy that there is no competition. There is coopetition. We're all growing this market together and we're all growing this kind of energy. And yes, lots of brands um, kind of feel like they're in competition for each other, but there's space. There's always space in every market. Even with, within what we do now, there's lots of young brands who are excited to bring, let's say this kind of whole elixir culture or this whole like superfood mushroom culture to the market. And I'm seeing lots of that evolving right now. Um, and I'm just excited for that. Like, I just don't see it as competition. It never has been and never will be because there's room for all of us in, in every market. And that's just a fundamental piece the other piece is that whatever you do, if you're bringing more value than you're asking for in return, you're always going to be more successful in the end. And so that's just something we at the base felt like from the very beginning was like, let's just infuse this with the best quality, the best intentionality and grow from that place. And so really, we started in a farmer's market booth uh, with a bunch of tinctures and a couple of oils and salves we had made. But that picked up really well. Our community just loved it and was really connected to that. And so I decided to go to a, a CHFA trade show with a, basically a basket full of samples, like a wild forager and a photocopied piece of paper <laughs> with a list of various things that we did. And um, very organically, I just networked and met people. And um, the response was great. People were like, wow, this is actually what we need. And it's very different from the fluff we're seeing on the Floor with all of the different booths and all of the money that, as you mentioned, is spent in this industry to promote this. This is real and this has got potency to it. And so that just kind of grew originally and organically. And we, we didn't necessarily even try to until it just started to have a life of its own. And this is what's interesting about a business is sometimes you birth this business, not realizing or recognizing really what you've actually created until it starts to take its own life. And um, in our case, you know, we moved, I think, six different facilities over the first eight years. We literally doubled and doubled and doubled every year and grew this huge team of amazing people over a period of time. It took a while to like kind of really sort out and recognize what we we're doing. So now we're finally in a place where we're actually stabilized and have um, a real sense of like company culture. We've put in a lot of initiatives to be 1% for the planet, to give back to our forests, to have compostable packaging, to do all those things that as a bigger business, as we've grown up, we can actually afford to be the change we want to see, not just have intentionality that a small, young, inspired business can have. So we're going for B Corp certification now, and we're just really infusing our team with uh, a real sense of 
a community and support both financially for the individuals, but also healthcare systems and just really involving our whole community as a business. And I think that's the evolution of business in the future. We need a lot more transparency between um, sourcing and between who we're buying from. We, we vote with our dollar. And so any business that's gonna thrive in the future really needs to find alignment at a deeper fundamental level with their customer. And that's something that is part of our secret sauce is just really helping to um, try to be a holistic, integral business. And in those beginning days, was it basically just you? Yeah, it was just me and my wife foraging. And, and um, my mom had a farm out here. And so we were growing some plants on the farm. Now, to be fair, you know, we attempted to be wild foragers. And that was not a sustainable path, really, because uh, the world cannot afford to have all wild foraged herbs. It really needs to support organic agriculture. Because organic agriculture is, is really saying that, hey, this land should not have pesticides on it and should be grown in a, in a way that really supports the health of the ecosystem. So between, between quality permaculture and quality organic agriculture, uh, we've tended to grow more in the direction of sourcing from farms and sourcing from high quality organic um, brokers of, of co-ops from around the world now. So, so now as it grow, grows a lot bigger, the logistic piece is how do you keep sustainable integrity alive? you know, and working with these co-ops and supporting their, their communities. Mm -hmm. And now you mentioned your dad, Terry Willard, definitely a legend in herbal medicine and perhaps all over the world. And of course, he's the face of the Wild Rose Detox, which has been probably the top selling cleansing kit in Canada for who knows how long. I think everyone has done it in multiple times. Did you have any sort of mentorship or assistance from your dad and getting this off the ground so you didn't have to learn the hard way through mistakes? Well, I mean, I, I, a bit, yes and no. Like I'll say through my herbal education, through doing the whole Wild Rose College and, and completing my practical and clinical herbalist programs, yes, through the whole philosophy of the school, through the books he wrote, through um, doing clinic with him, through learning how to formulate for sure. But I actually left um, Calgary on purpose because I didn't want to run Wild Rose Clinic <laughs> in a way. I didn't want to like follow in the father's footsteps. Ironically, as much as I have followed in my father's footsteps by crafting a, a, a plant-based medicine company and growing and working within the herbal education field and all of these similar similarities, you know, as the radical young youth wanting to carve my own path, we moved out here with that intentionality and really fumbled our way through um, the business side of, of becoming a, a, a viable business, which is interesting for, I'll say from a plant medicine background, you're not really trained in, in entrepreneurship. So um, it is a, a very interesting path. And we had to, I'm, in some ways I'm glad for that because I feel like sometimes business schooling has you cut corners and get too into your mind about like how to logistically make things happen versus allowing your heart to be the primary organ of perception, which is what makes a more integral holistic value system that actually is more sustainable in the long run than just a cut and dry business operation can be. So, yeah. And yeah. I, I think you've probably shared similar experiences with me and that there's no better way to gain that business education than just doing it, starting a business. And it's far cheaper than getting an MBA. 
most businesses are to start off anyway are not going to cost as much as an MBA. Now they may fail, granted, but at the end of an MBA, you don't have anything lucrative to show for it either. Now you're just ready to go out and fight in the job field for it. So uh, starting a business is an incredible way. And as you said, you get to basically do things in a way that feels right to you from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And of course we make mistakes as we go along, but that's how we grow. For sure. Yeah, and one of the problems with most business education is it, it kind of teaches you to like leverage other people's capital, which can be a challenge because you, instead of like making your own mistakes, you're now uh, at risk of, of trying to create something bigger than you can actually handle in that moment as you do your, your lean organic learning. <laughs> so, so we were lucky that way that we, we didn't end up in a big debt-based business startup system. Yeah, it's so important. And I remember the early days of Pacific Rim College, actually the, the pre-days in the planning phase. And I had hired a business consultant at one point and all of a sudden my vision, which was pretty organic and small and it was going to grow year by year, turned into this extravagant thing where we're like, oh, well, we got to bring on shareholders and investors and the whole gamut. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Maybe we don't want to do that. And I'm really glad we dialed it back and, and kept it as a very grassroots organic process and building it because it's, yeah, as you said, starting out by being in debt, not just financially, but in debt to others who now have a stake in your business. That's a pretty stressful way to begin. And it, it can really be. can take the magic right out of the experience from the very beginning. Yeah, and I think the, the, the end consumer sees through it. We're much more intuitive than we give ourselves credit for. And part of the magic of Pacific Rim or part of the magic of Harmonic Arts comes from uh, the people who, who, who work with that, whether it's your students or for us, some of the people who work with our products, really feeling into that deeper level of integrity and the magic that is there, right? It's woven into the walls. It's woven into the product, you know? Mm -hmm. So what was your first product they got on a real shelf, not a farmer's market shelf. And what store was that in? Well, I'll say, um, I guess my first, like our first really big client was Lifestyle Markets in Victoria. And um, ironically, they had us kind of shift our business model because um, the purchaser of the organic like bulk herb department there was like, we love what you're doing. We love these products. We want to work with you. We're looking for new supply. Um, but here's our list of all the things we sell. And um, if you want to be that supplier, you've got to be able to supply us with maca and turmeric and ginger as well. We can't just get your nettles and your you know, plants that you can forage and grow. And so we were like, okay, uh, let's just reorientate. I had worked in a bulk herb department um, at Amaranth Health Food Store in Calgary, ran that for a couple of years, knew all of these farms and all of these suppliers and had this really deep understanding that much of the product on the world market was coming from really big places where they had stored these herbs for years. Like I, I checked all my lot numbers and consistently I'd have like two, three-year-old shelf like lot numbers. And I'm like, this is not right. These brown herb matter, it's not very good. So we knew we could find better and we had found better sourcing and worked with brokers and people like that and started to work with lifestyle markets really as a, a bulk herb supply. Now our real special strength was in formulations. So um, we started making tea blends and tincture blends and 
they were one of our first clients to really bring a lot of that on. Um, and now there's quite a large offering of Harmonic Arts products at Lifestyles in, in Victoria there. So Very cool. And then I guess you were packaging this stuff in your kitchen, like most well, startups. Yeah. You know, what was ironic. Like our very first quality controlled facility was um, we, we were like scrambling because we, we had a farm and we had this nice kind of larger garage space, but winter was coming and it wasn't perfectly like um, weatherproof in the sense of we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this space? We had made it clean and we had gotten like our, we had the ability to get our like Canada approved alcohol licensing and all this stuff, but it was it's still going to leak um, moisture in the winter. So we bought this big camper. Um, it was like a big scamper. And we made it into like, a, we basically kind of half gutted it and um, brought in dehumidifiers and made this like one, this was our very first facility. It was really um, quite the interesting thing, just this big camper in our yard <laughs> to be able to have a clean space to work in. And so yeah, from there, we were like, okay, as soon as winter's over, we need a proper facility. And so we moved into another place, which was working from home again with a big space, crafted that up. That got too small within a year. Uh, and then just move, 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 finding better spaces. To now, we're in 13,000 square feet of wow. facility upstairs. There's 40 employees. Uh, it's quite the um, workspace. It's quite a, uh, a big a big piece of Cumberland. We, we employ in our little town, probably one of the, the largest um, employers and really, really just are a huge part of this community in a, in a, in a big way now, in a, an impactful way. Oh, that's so awesome. So glad to hear that. Do you still have the camper? No, I gave it to one of our employees. Actually, I just gave it to him um, a, a few years later. I was like, okay, you know what? Like to me, this camper had, had, fully given us all it could. And again, in that adding value, this, this one employee was our manager at the time and he had just done so much for us and I was, couldn't ever really repay him. So in that way, in helping grow our business. So I gave him the camper and was just like, here, you know, I also gave my car away to another employee, a bunch of things like that. Some of our first people really um, that supported the growth of, of our, our, our team. Right. It reminds me of, I just, talked to Rosemary Gladstar a few weeks ago and she had the still has the original school bus I can't remember the name it was a great name but the bus that they took students all over North America on on basically herb trips and now it's the office of the college that she started in California so oh wow yeah wow beautiful roots man that's that's so cool at what point did you know Harmonic Arts was now a company and something that you needed to put all well, your energy into. I guess, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm one of these people who once I commit, I can hyper-focus and really give my energy to that in, in 110%. Sometimes I think it's, it's almost like a, I'm pulling energy out of the universe because I'm giving more than the energy I actually have to be able to, to infuse the magic into something. So really we started with community futures uh, after my, my wife's pregnancy. Um, it's part of like, like um, it's part of the EI program. And so the community futures program in BC here offers uh, young startup businesses like financial incentive to support and some education to support their, their initial roots. And as soon as we got that money, which was like, I think like 800 bucks a month, I was like, whoa, 
really, the government is going to give us this money just straight up to start this business. And so at that point, I was 1000% committed. I was like, okay, we're going to make this happen. Like, we're not going to just do the whole BC privileged thing of like, well, we're owed this entitled this kind of um, incentive because we live here. <laughs> but um, so we just went 100% like, or a thousand percent or whatever that is full into crafting this, this business up. But it wasn't until like five years in that I was really like, okay, we actually are a legitimate business. We're stable enough that this isn't going away, right? It really, you just never know at the beginning of anything. There was, you know, in those early days, anything could have happened. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And now, 15 years in, the success, you've doubled in size numerous times. So it's... Now you're probably your initial space was probably what about sixty square feet. <laughs> now you're up yeah, to thirteen thousand. No, <laughs> and that's just yeah, that's just the upstairs is thirteen thousand. There's a whole downstairs warehouse for containers and all oh, kinds. Wow. Of, it's a juggernaut. It really blew me away, actually. <laughs> so how do you keep? How do you keep the business focused on your ethics and the values that you infused in it in the beginning? Because I'm. I'm going to guess by this point, you've had some interest in some of those multinational corporations for your business. Oh yeah. Lots of people have come knocking on our door. Um, we've had plenty of people, you know, wanting to venture capitalize into our company or buy us. And um, that, you know, we just, we just really have, I guess the other piece of that too is, is that we, we just weren't, we're, we've not been ready for that. I don't believe in align with that in that, in that sense. As, as you had mentioned and alluded to earlier, um, most of the businesses in our sector are being bought up by these larger companies, you know, and that's that's a real challenge. Um, and I understand why these these entrepreneurs put all their energy in and they kind of want to cash out and move on, right? And and they have other things, other initiatives they want to do. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you can't in keep the culture the same or keep the culture intact, then it's, it can be a crime against wisdom. You know, we built this company to be for the people, not really for us, but for people to have that access. And so the last thing that we would wanna see is for that to, to be dissipated. And it's something I, I watched with Wild Rose, you know, it got turned into just the Wild Rose detox. Whereas um, Terry had crafted some really brilliant formulas, um, really wonderful herbal formulas that had supported a lot of Canadians. And all of those got, for lack of better words, eradicated over over the years to become primarily one product. Now that's still a useful product for people and it's still amazing, but it's just something we weren't we're not ready for at this point. So just to kind of answer the other half of your question, like how do you keep the uh, the cultural values that we infuse in it in the business? That takes a lot of work. Um, and it also takes a lot of letting go. Um, we had to let go of our own personal ideations. And to build as a team, a new set of cultural values and a new set of, um, I guess, a, a identity of harmonic arts. One of the problems was that harmonic arts was so attached to me uh, personally, in a sense of like being whatever Yarrow's values were, became the company's values. And I think that's a, a grave mistake because it in itself has its own intrinsic value. And so we really built up a personality of the culture and created uh, a pillar of five core values to really support the team that are written on the walls that are infused into everything we do. 
And then we spend a lot of time doing a more emotional intelligence work with our management team and just trying to like, again, one of our cultural values is continual improvement, but continually improving. Another one is get to the heart of the matter. And so trying to get to the heart of the matter, what's the essence, the quintessence of what we stand for and to keep that improving and evolving and to listen to understand, which is another value to, to understand our team, our needs, our customers, and, and to really just be that change. So anyway, um, that was a big piece of it was to build a set of core values and to work with some consultants to support our own emotional intelligence as a team and to really grow, grow that way. And that's what's made us sustainable, I think. And how did you unhinge yourself from the fulcrum of the business? It took a took a, you know, all my, my inner child lashing out and saying, no, I can somehow think I do this better than someone else. I had to really eat the humble pie of there's always someone who can, um, who is more talented, more skilled, more um, in flow than you. And so to let go and allow um, the toddler of a business to stumble, fall, pick itself back up again, um, grow into its own to, to do that. I mean, I have four children. And so I, I've seen that in my own personal life, but also as they evolve, like my oldest daughter is 21 now. Wow. And like, I mean, I had a child when I was 20, which I think was probably one of the biggest blessings of my life because it really, I'll say sobered me up <laughs> in a way and made me recognize um, the need to, to carve a, a, a little more meaningful path in my life. But, and her name's Reishi, which is one of my favorite mushrooms, by the way. Um, but anyway, seeing our business grow from that, that like to stumble a little bit itself made it um, more resilient in the future. And so I had to let go and literally took a pay cut. I said like, I am gonna take less than our general manager and just like, I'm, I'm valuable no matter what I do. So I'm gonna start to support Wild Rose. I'm gonna do more of my YouTube videos. I'm gonna craft up more educational offerings um, and allow our business to be more sustainable by by hiring someone more valuable than me <laughs> to, to run it in a way. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about Wild Rose because sure. you, you studied there. Yeah. You said you needed to get out of Calgary so you didn't come back and be the clinic manager. And yet now you're quite heavily involved, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, ironically, I mean, it's, it's, it's a part of that coming full circle thing, I think, but um, really, Wild Rose was a college since 1975. So really old, old roots. And it was you know, based in teepee camps originally and doing um, herb walks and things like that way back when. And it started to really grow into a college in the 90s, which was a in-person college. Uh, but what happened is come, come mid 2000s, you know, my dad went through some, some health stuff. The college condensed down and became just an online offering. And he kept trying to give me the college and take it on. And I was like, no, I have this own business. I'm not going to do this. And yet I really fundamentally believe in herbal education in general. And so that's why I do the Herbal Jedi YouTube channel is just in sharing education. Anyway, five years of him kind of knocking on my door saying, please help out with the college, take on the college. I finally, that was partly after a year after I had like let go of being the major um, management piece of uh, harmonic arts, I was able to just, okay, I can help support the college now. And so, so yeah, we've crafted 
mostly um, an online education system now that, that helps support people with their herbal education. And what is your role in that? Well, I'm technically director, but realistically, uh, I'm doing the same thing as with, um, with Harmonic Arts. It's empowering people who want to be there to really be the champions of the college. So we now have a, so as much as I'm a director, I, I am not the general manager. Um, and I just really have check-ins with the college and support them with education. So built out a wild foraging, wild crafting courses, herbal pharmacy classes, and just some of the steering and architecture of the college. Whereas we have a team of herbalists who are inspired and really just um, building out the village and building out the school in a, in a, in a more, you know, capacity. But again, you know, it's one version of how herbal medicine can support people. I, I really, like I said, with, with um, co-opetition, I, I, like I've taught at Pacific Rim, love the school there, love that um, we can be, I guess, sister brothers in, in bringing education to people. More people need to learn about herbal medicine. So, so I just think that this is just one version of what people can, can learn from. And it comes from an older model of herbalism and is just continually improving again. Uh, but yeah, that's basically my role is I, I support the college as an architect. Mm -hmm. So what was it like for you growing up with your dad as this world-renowned herbalist? Well, honestly, like one of the things, and this is a, I think I'll say that like the challenge that um, young men have with the father figure in general, and this is just not, not to go down this, but like, like, I don't think my dad was super available in some ways because he was so busy writing books and doing herbal education and more came in later in my life as a, as a bit of a mentor in that sense. I, I spent a lot more of my youth with my mom and my stepfather, um, which my mom was actually the manager of a health food store in Calgary, the biggest health food store in Calgary, community natural foods for 12 years. So I lived inside of a health food store and I went to the, to the Waldorf school and did that whole, so very different, um, education system from your traditional model and growing up in a health food store, um, spending a lot of time with my dad on weekends, but, but really being uh, more in this outdoor activity lifestyle. So I think that fundamental building block of um, an education system that was maybe geared a little more to holistic alignment and spending a lot more time outside and eating natural organic foods gave me building blocks to be a pretty darn healthy person. And so my immune system is way more tolerant than a lot of people's, which actually ironically has put me in a place of being almost too resilient sometimes that I will put myself through a lot more stress than I, sh than, than I should be able to handle, <laughs> um, which has been good and bad, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm hyper aware of the fact that most A-type people I know end up with some kind of autoimmune later in life. And so I've been really trying to like keep myself in that focus of like, okay, if you are a really resilient go-getter person, how do you make sure you have downtime too? So you don't end up fighting your own body in the later life. And I've seen this with some of my herbal teachers and actually ironically with herbalists in general, they are the worst practitioners for themselves. I've seen so many of them not able to see their own health issues. And so I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more aware of that myself um, as, as I grow. So you mentioned that you needed to leave the nest, leave Calgary, so you didn't just kind of follow directly in your dad's footsteps. 
was there any point before that where you were actually trying not to follow in his footsteps at all and not go down the herbal path at all? I, I think so. I mean, it was really hard not to um, like have that still woven into my, my life in some ways. But yeah, you know, I went to like when I was younger and as a teenager, um, I moved out when I was 17, which is fairly young. Um, my mom moved to Vancouver Island and I didn't want to live with my dad in, in Springbank, which is outside of the city. So I moved in with some friends and we were, we were rebels, you know, in, in our own, our own uh, counterculture way. So I was pretty young and, you know, going to these rave techno parties and being part of this whole society in that way. And so I, I would say though, it didn't take me long to recognize like eating, you know, itchy ban and bad, bad diet choices left me feeling crappy, you know? So, so it didn't take very long. I, I recognized that within about four or five years of really being a rebellious um, teen and post-teen, I was like, whoa, I need to come back. There's a lot of value in these things I've been taught. And so I did my first kind of herbal classes in when I was 20. And then I moved to Victoria. I actually worked at Lifestyle Markets for a while with my, with my baby and recognized I couldn't live in Victoria. It was way too expensive of a city. I had three jobs. I took on like paper route as well as selling um, multi-level marketing in the evenings and working in a health food store. And I still couldn't afford to live in Victoria. So I went back and did the herbal education. And that was kind of my coming home of like, okay, there's a lot of value here. I already am quite wise to this. And one of, I feel like this is my path. And something that I would give to people who are unsure of their path as youth is look like we all need, we all want the same thing. We all want to feel better. We all want to be understood. We all want to be part of something bigger. So the best place to look is what is that something bigger you want to be part of? And is there a, a core value, one single core value that you can kind of a mantra you can create for yourself. So whenever you get out of focus or off balance or out of alignment, you can come back to that. You know, so for me, I made this pact with myself that deepening experience, deepening connection to this planet is one of my core fundamental reasons for showing up. And so every choice I make and have made for the last 20 plus years, really 20 years, I guess, is when I kind of, I don't know, I was 20, I'm 41 now, when I was like 21 year old, I made, okay, deepening connection to this planet. That's, that's really what I'm here to do. So everything I've done since then has been in alignment with that core purpose. And that was a huge piece for me. So that would be something I'd offer to people is to like, look to find just one simple thing that you can navigate as a pillar in your life around to be a gravitational pull like the sun every culture before us was a sun worshiping culture my my son is deepening connection to this planet and so that's been that's been a huge piece for me and it's made every choice i've made moving forward much easier to decide upon well said and i think that's why so much personal development work has finding the purpose or the mission at mm -hmm. the core of the work that is done. And I also want to recognize with that, with the value and finding that, it doesn't mean that you have to become stuck in something either. Because what is your purpose and mission at one point in time might evolve and shift into something else as you grow and life changes around you and you have a family or you go through whatever 
life brings your way, things can change. Things can change. And so it's important also, just as you recognize with your company that you needed to step back from the, le- the highest leadership position, it's important that we also have that recognition that, okay, like I'm still on my path, even though I'm not necessarily the CEO of this project or this company that I started. And, and I think that's really helpful to keep people from getting stuck and then yeah. bringing more of the negative into whatever that process is that they're going through, whether it's running a business or, or a passion project. So. Totally. I, I, I 100% concur. And I think something that people get, uh, there's a false illusion of security around uh, I creating an identity or a persona or a, like a way of being that it's, we are much more secure and confident in ourselves if we know we have the ability to change and we can successfully move through and navigate change in our life, but still maintain a core value, a core purpose. Uh, and that, that is like, that is probably the best confidence builder anyone can give themselves is being able to, to morph, but maintain integrity within the process. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. And that, that gives the flexibility then to change the mission or the purpose provided that you're always guided by these core values or the integrity. Right. Yeah. I mean, like even I, I catch myself in it all the time, like identifying myself as a herbalist. Well, I'm not a herbalist. Yes. I'm a herbalist in some regards and I've been trained that way, but actually I'm, I'm an earth citizen of some form and that's morphing and changing all the time. Sometimes I, I am just a happy-go-lucky frisbee player, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'm just a gardener, sometimes I'm a forager, sometimes I am a, a missionary, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm an activist, you know, so, so just allowing myself to be all of those things and not trying to over-identify with any of them as, as, as being a false dichotomy or a false sense of security. Yeah, yeah, it's important just to just to be sometimes and just to be part of the other beings on this planet rather than having all the the labels and the identifiers that create who yeah. we are when really they don't create who we are. They they put up restrictions yeah. and blinders and we think, oh, we gotta do this because this is who I am, this is what I am. But and then life comes along and upends the apple cart and you realize, oh, I can't be that anymore. Now what? <laughs> and then we go into crises. So it's to have that that presence where we're not just drilled into that one identity, that consciousness so that we can expand beyond that is very helpful. And that's, that's maybe the silver lining behind even the whole COVID experience was like, Oh, wow. You've got to strip away a whole bunch of who you thought you were because you identified, or at least I recognize that identified with some external facade that is no longer in existence. I, I just, I, I really look at these times that we're in right now as a great opportunity for us to realign with, with a deeper sense of self and, and purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for you and I, we're basically the same age and we're at that age where people have the so-called midlife crisis. And I think most of that is around these identities that we give ourselves that we realize we can't fulfill something happens, a relationship ends, an injury happens, an illness comes along, we lose someone, and then it, it sends people into this tumultuous period, which 
in essence, is an opportunity. It's a growth and healing period, but not everyone has the wherewithal to turn into that and face it and get the lesson out of it. Many people turn the other way and turn, in some cases, to substances or habits that are going to be more of an escape and ultimately lead to disease rather than healing and ease. It's true. And there's a lot of, I mean, it's, we're, we're riddled in a world of distraction and marketing and substance. And like, it's, it's easy to turn away, to turn a blind eye, to get um, distracted from that. I, I really believe in this concept called eating shadow, which is to like really go into the dark stuff and to the deep uncomfortable stuff um, and sit in it sometimes and not know and, and recognize fear and insecurity and uh, just be in that place for a moment uh, to acknowledge it and not try to make it better. I think maybe one of the problems that a lot of, I'll say, I don't know if it's toxic masculinity, but there's like a piece of this, like wanting to fix things all the time and wanting to know the answer. <laughs> and, uh, something I've been trying to erase in myself is like, I don't need to know the answer all the time. I don't need to be comfortable all the time. I don't need to be the fixer of problems. <laughs> I, can, I can actually be a fool sometimes and um, be okay with the fact that I, you know, I'm spiritually impoverished. I come from generations of spiritually impoverished people just grasping at all these um, cultural appreciations, I'll call them, um, of, of intact wisdom traditions that have, you know, so there's all, there's all this stuff to unpack. And I, I'm, I'm just recognizing that in myself. And um, I think it's really worth, it's humble pie to explore that stuff in ourselves. And do you use the assistance of any plant medicines or plant spirit medicines in helping you to explore? Well, I, I have, I'm, I'm very comfortable in the psychedelic landscape. Um, for some reason, I have this uncanny ability to um, feel a lot more at ease and less anxious in that place too. So um, things like psychedelic mushrooms, these kinds of things um, that have been part of my life and part of my awakening, I don't consider them to be regular things for me these days. Um, but I've, I've, I've been very comfortable in, those, in that landscape over the past. And it's brought me a lot of healing and awareness and awakened um, parts of myself that are, are maybe deeper, I won't say shamanic pieces, but pieces that I've, I've understood as, as, as larger than, I'll, I'll call it omnipresence, not just being present, but being a little more globally intact with what I might call the Christ consciousness grid, but like this, this larger human uh, thought system and sort of consciousness system that we're, we're playing off of and part of. Uh, maybe it's that butterfly effect of like every effect has some effect somewhere else in the world. But I'm, anyway, what I understand from, from that type of altered state is that it can bring us a deeper level of perception. And for those of us who are kind of comfortable in that place, um, there's no need to then be intoxicated with it all the time to go there. I found a lot of really useful altered states in just shifting my perception through going for a forest bathing practice or doing a walk. And so as much as I think entheogens are a very powerful piece of healing on this planet, uh, they're also abused in some ways. And there also is this something I call leaky aura syndrome that comes through the overuse and inappropriate use of entheogenic medicine. Um, ayahuasca being the most commonly um, trending 
leaky aura medicine in my mind these days that leaves some ungrounded. I don't think it's medicine for everyone, but for those of us who are really comfortable in that landscape and it actually calms us down and brings us more presence, uh, those are really useful tools to heighten our and expand our awareness. But really the real, the real healing or the real medicine comes after that in the way we show up. And this is maybe a missing piece to what's being explored right now culturally is there's still a bit of this immature, let's get high and feel um, enlightened, but we're just taking this elevator to the top of the mountain. We're not actually doing the real work. So that's only a place in my mind of awareness building and direction focus to be able to understand where we're going. Um, so yeah, so I'm comfortable in the landscape. I appreciate it, um, but I also recognize that it's still culturally misused and misguided and the real healing is in acting differently in your other waking state and growing that awareness um, to be sustainable and not just heightened manic states of enlightenment. <laughs> so well, I'm glad you brought up those caveats of using the antiogens and as you said, some of them are extremely trendy and the intention then behind that experience that people are having with them is, is perhaps not as honorable. It's not so much self-reflecting about personal growth as it is about being part of the club and having this cool experience, which is not at all the way the medicine traditionally has been used. And so it's yeah. very, very important to enter into, I think, any relationship with plants in particular, but perhaps any relationship that we have, period, with a degree of consciousness and intention, and to really check ourselves and see why is it that I'm engaging in this relationship, and, and I'm, am I honoring the relationship, the respect that it deserves? And if not, then perhaps it's not the right relationship to be in, and that's, again, that could, that could apply to any relationship we have in our lifetimes. And uh, certainly, tremendous value in the plants, in turning to them mm -hmm. for guidance. But I love what you said about sometimes we have to do the work ourselves. We have to do the inner work before we're even ready then to take the journey with the plant spirit medicines because a lot can come up, a lot can happen. And if we're not prepared, if we don't have the right set and setting and then the right integration afterwards to be able to deal with all of those things, well, then it might not be a very healing experience at all. Yeah, and, and I, there's no wrong way. Like I'm really a believer in, in, in the freedom for everyone to have their own experience, right? And so like, like I wouldn't, I'm, I'm, I'm also conscious to not like put too much judgment on young teenagers wanting to get high to like experience something outside of the pain of being a young adolescent. Like, like I get that that's also like, that's a valid use in some ways yeah. too, you yeah. know, um, because there's a lot of pressure on all of us and we don't have ancestral intact systems to teach us and train us in ways. So these do give people little glimpses of, of something bigger. And so I, I want to like just honor and recognize that that's got value in itself. The, the real crime against wisdom though, is, is when it comes to, uh, to us, having consistent use without intentionality, you know, mm. and then to look for almost the dopamine high that comes the like, 
the, oh yeah, I want to go back to that state where I felt good again, you know, or where I felt. And so that's, that's where the crime against wisdom is. And so as a culture, we're just not very, um, we're not very intact with our emotional intelligence. You know, many cultures before us, for men anyway, had the hunt where we would actually go out and deal with our stuff together and really like go through some, some challenging things. And so I think there's, there's better ways to do that, whether that's um, through, you know, creating some kind of ritual uh, and, and every culture also, like it wasn't just the entheogen, it was always the ritual. It was always the experience that made the, the point. So even just go for a camping trip and set a camping trip with the boys. It's not about getting intoxicated. <laughs> like, like what, what could that be? Oh my gosh, we're, you know, we're going to actually get, get uncomfortable here for a minute and <laughs> with our own stuff and like, not just, you know, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I just, no, I'm glad you brought that up because you're, you're absolutely, yes, I agree with you. And I, I give a very one-sided perspective of that, but you are right. And the sense that I guess it's okay to let go sometimes too, right? It is. We're, it, we, yeah. If we put too much pressure on ourselves to have this amazing experience or relationship because of we build up this intentionality, well, we may never take that next step. And one of the amazing things about the entheogens by and large they're extremely safe, even though yeah. they're very controversial, less so perhaps now, but they've been very taboo in our culture. But historically, these have been used by indigenous peoples for millennia. They're extremely safe. And even in off-the-charts dosages, people are not having anywhere near the adverse reactions that people would have if they took a dosage of that sort of a pharmaceutical, for example. Yeah, it's true. And no matter what context people take them in, I have seen from my own experience, the people who have had some kind of experience, entheogenic experience, are often have grown from it. You know, whether that was good or bad, they've grown. And, and so there is there's a lot of value there that I can just from anecdotal evidence I've seen in in many people around me. And so I just I honor that as well. Yeah. Well, let's go on a bit deeper because you have recently been named one of the directors of Levity Labs. Tell yeah. me a bit about that, because that's pretty cool. Well, again, just like the um, uh, just like the plants told me so <laughs> with, with the um, to craft up harmonic arts, um, I've been a big fan of the whole what I call the wood wide web, the fungal kingdom, the medicine of the mushrooms um, that as a myco warrior is a sort of term I've considered myself over the years. So bringing a lot of energy to functional mushrooms and understanding the reishis and turkey tails and chagas and all of these beautiful conks in our forest. Again, I'll say the mushrooms told me so when it came to like, hey, Yarrow, okay, there is a psychedelic revolution happening on this planet right now. There is an awareness point where this medicine is no longer uh, the enemy. It's actually growing consciousness and the collective is starting to acknowledge and understand the safety behind it and also the uh, advocate for the therapeutic benefits for things like anxiety, PTSD, dis just disconnection in general, um, that uh, you as a micro warrior uh, need to at least put in some form of support to help cultivate and encourage the growth and awareness of this stuff and above of working with, specifically for me, it's, it's psychedelic mushrooms, I think are a big, important piece of our, our whole cultural evolution and really getting to, like I said, the Christ consciousness grid of like, 
omnipresence of the like we're we're growing closer and closer. The internet has done this. The like the the education systems have done this. We're now like we understand how embedded we are to this planet. We're part of one system. We may all be different, but we're part of one planet. And one thing that the mushrooms really teach is that. And so when Levity Labs approached me um, with the mission of, look, we want to bring awareness to this. We want to bring awareness to um, helping be an advocate for being the change in the world to create safe a container for psychedelic medicine to come into the world. I felt really in alignment with that because their, their big mission was not just to, to put money towards that, but also to encourage um, creating a sustainable system around that. One thing that happened with cannabis that was really a shame, and I do consider cannabis the gateway herb now. It's taught people that uh, actually there's a lot more chemistry to plants than we realize, and it's really given people an understanding that, whoa, plants have power. I think psychedelic mushrooms have that too, that kind of power of, of deepening our understanding around plant medicine, functional mushrooms, the whole my colonized wood wide web, the fact that a quarter of our biomass is made up of the fungal inter-exchanging on this planet. Anyway, what they decided to do was rather than this pump and dump system that happened with all the cannabis companies and all the capital that was leveraged in that was to build a sustainable model of supporting education and functional mushrooms and growing pain and addiction clinics and working alongside being that change in a bigger way. So I really aligned with that. And I didn't want to just work with some big, let's just grow a bunch of psychedelic mushrooms and get everybody high company. It was more like, let's grow a system of awareness and support this education around learning about these medicines, but also helping people get off ketamine clinics and off morphine into having healing experiences with psychedelics that can get them to be a better version of themselves without needing a bunch of substance addiction over the long run. And something that I've seen from the psychedelic mushrooms is that they can help people get off all kinds of addiction. And I think that's, that's a big piece for me is that our world is really addicted. Uh, we're addicted to experience and the need to move out of that is something that I think the mushrooms can help support us with. Mm -hmm. So Levity's doing so many cool things, as you said, relatively new company, Vancouver based, and really helping to pave the way for this new era of psychedelic healing. As you said, they're using clinics, looking at education, looking at products, and basically helping to take away the stigma around psychedelics and bring about yeah. other al alternatives for people to heal, for people to deal with their repressed trauma, for people to deal with their grief. And it's something that it's, it, it's not the only way. Yeah, but it's, it's, no, a, it's exactly. a great opportunity. And what we're seeing again is the safety profile on these substances is, is undeniable, extremely safe, and especially in the right set and settings that Levity is helping to create with the qualified practitioners. It's really an amazing thing. And as you spoke of in the ability to help people overcome their addictions, I think that's something, that's part of the stigma that people are culturally, there's this belief that psychedelics are addictive. <laughs> and it's pretty hard to be addicted to them, honestly. Like, <laughs> it's just not true. It's not the reality of it. And so it's 
it's great to actually see these well it's there's almost there's some irony or some justice in seeing these things that have been deemed to be so addictive and dangerous are actually now the tools that are becoming widely recognized as being most able to help people overcome true addictions yeah there, there is as you said irony in that and it's just again it's the coming full circle piece where it's like wait a minute um what these medicines offer us is an experience into a deeper part of ourselves in our, our subconscious that doesn't let go and, and if you look at any any psychologist will tell you that like much of your trauma comes from from past experience right and so to unpack some of that past experience and unpack some of that with a bit more awareness of a little heightened experience can be can be huge in the healing process and i i just i will i can't say enough around how this has helped my life and how um what what levity's doing and what other companies like this there's plenty of inertia moving in this direction right now and there's a lot of excitement around this and i know that what's going to happen around that is just like everything else the bigger it gets the more opportunity there is to taint and dilute the true potency of the medicine so one of the things that i as a as what i'll call a micro warrior stand for is is creating that safe setting to create that safe experience and to build more education around that so we're doing a thing called levity learns and we're growing that out over the next few years of really having people not just talk about psychedelics but about flow state about being in present state about creating awareness around our healing process and what that might be and around some of the things that might be looked at as biohacking right now but like human optimization from uh from an awareness perspective to to be better versions of ourselves so that's a big part of why i'm part of that that group and yeah i feel privileged to be on the growing edge of this movement mm -hmm. What is something that you're most excited about right now, Yero? I know you, you do have a lot of hats, but you have managed to find a way to, as you've said, to decentralize yourself as the pillar of these projects that you've helped create or that you're carrying on. What do you love doing most now in your other time, basically? Well... Uh, I, I will say that my, my, like, so I, I, um, I live on land. I live on um, a, a nice piece of land here, um, way out, basically, like right now we're talking on satellite internet. Um, I, I'm, I, I, I don't have a cable coming to the house for the internet. Um, but uh, so what I, I guess what I really love and why I'm going there is I love walking in the forest, but not for like exercise. My favorite thing to do is to just, meander to literally walk on trees to find various interesting creatures and just to be in that state so to me that's where all of my best times come from all of my best energies is what we call forest bathing but really just that that whole shinrin yoku japanese forest bathing technique what i've understood about that is is just being present being in this state of smelling, feeling, sensing, letting go of all of our stuff, all of our persona, and just noticing the world around me. So for me, that's my best and favorite state. I love doing that with my children, if possible, or with a friend, but I don't really want to talk to my friend. I just want us to like <laughs> wander through the forest 
and and just be there. So so that's my favorite thing to do. If I if I could do anything, it's to actually just get out and um, often I call it like stump walking and like like walk on trees and get to see things. Part of the reason I love wild foraging and wild crafting is it gets me out there. I think uh, I believe in something called vitamin N, which is vitamin nature. And so really, if anything, it's being part of a, a much more interspecies relationship than even just interhuman relationship. That's my favorite thing to do is hang out with the birds and the bees. <laughs> and is there anything right now that's kind of imminent with any of your projects that you want to share? Anything really cool and exciting that's coming out? Yeah, let's see. I mean, there's always, there always is. I mean, we just launched a wild foraging class that I'm really excited about. Um, but, but I is think- Is that through uh, Wild Rose or Harmonic Art? That's at Wild Rose. Okay. That's through Wild Rose College. Um, but uh, I think if there's anything that's like the most exciting work for me right now is, is actually right now, it's just because I'm right in the focus of working with, with Levity a bit is to, to help a team there uh, mature and grow some cultural um, values and have some wins around what they're doing. So I'm kind of excited about that these days. I'm also, I'm excited to get back on the road <laughs> in some ways. I mean, not that I, like, I love my, my home, but I am excited to be doing a little bit more education and sharing around some of that stuff. And um, something I love doing, especially in the summer here is making videos. So um, I think later today, we're going to make one on time and time medicine and go to the, visit the time machine. Um, and oh, that's the, something this is T I M E time. Okay. T H Y M E oh, oh, time. Okay. <laughs> okay. You threw me off of the time machine. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, actually um, it's, it's a garden that my, my dad has called the time machine and it's like 10 different kinds of time. Anyway, I love that kind of stuff. So I get excited about that. Um, if there's one thing I could, and I want to do, it's actually to somehow get backed um, by some kind of, uh, I'll say, um, show or TV program to actually go out and travel the world and talk about plants. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of attempting to like get some financial backing to go to Hawaii and film turmeric and go to Costa Rica and, you know, these kind of things is what I would love to, I'm excited about. I really love the Paten rainforest in Belize. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to travel a bit more again in the future when that happens again. Nice. Well, that sounds like a good gig. I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> oh, and that's something too, that in this day and age with all the technology that we have and all the alternative platforms, you could go out and do that on your own. Be nice. Be nice to have the funding, but. Uh... Yeah. Well, the Herbal Jedi YouTube channel, which is my, my channel is, is pretty it's blown up in a big way because we've done that with our own funding. And that's one of the ways I've like funneled money um, from harmonic arts, for example, into creating good quality video to have fun doing that. So self-financed to make, make some fun videos. Um, but uh, we're, yeah, I'm looking, I don't know. I went to China a couple of years ago and I really loved filming there and the experience of going to Reishi farms and lion's mane farms. And so, yeah, I just got a taste for that. And I'm, I'm a, it's something I'm excited to do a bit more of. Good for you. Well, it's been really awesome getting to chat with you and getting to know a bit more about you. Thank you for sharing so much of your, your personal journey. Any place that you want to send listeners to, to see more about what you're working on? Sure. I mean, we've already mentioned a bunch. Um, check out harmonicarts.ca, check out wildrosecollege.com. 
um, check out the Herbal Jedi YouTube channel. Um, that's a that's a great place to connect with what I what I share. And really, if, if there's anything I could leave you with, it's that that you are your own healer. Uh, you are the medicine that you've been seeking. Don't seek magic bullets. Don't even listen to me necessarily. Like listen to yourself or learn to listen to yourself. And if vitamin N has taught me anything, if nature has taught me anything, if forest bathing has taught me anything, it's that I know far more than I give myself credit for. I just don't always acknowledge it until I take the time to get into a bit more of a meditative omnipresent state and um, become my own medicine. So I would empower you to, or invite you to empower yourself to remember that there's no one outside of you that knows you better and to not try and find healing from others because you are the medicine that you've been looking for. Great advice. Thank you for that. And thank you for doing this today and for always supporting Pacific Rim College and what we do and for bringing to the, to the people and the planet some of the projects that you have, especially harmonic arts and making that available to people and, and just helping to propagate herbal wisdom and herbal magic all over the world. Thank you. No problem. Yeah, I've been talking to Cordelia and I'm excited to come back to Pacific Rim too. <laughs> so oh, we'll be so happy to have you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Yarrow. Ciao for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Yarrow Willard. For more about Yarrow's companies and projects, please visit harmonicarts.ca, wildrosecollege.com, his Herbal Jedi YouTube channel, and levitylabs.com. That's levity, L-E-V-I-T-E-E, labs.com. If you are interested in studying Western Herbal Medicine, the School of Western Herbal Medicine at Pacific Rim College offers world-renowned programs, including world's first study options, combining Western Herbal Medicine with acupuncture and holistic nutrition. Visit pacificrimcollege.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to check out our online education in herbal medicine by exploring the amazing course offerings at pacificrimcollege.online, including many courses featuring other guests of this podcast. Sign up for our newsletter to receive special offers on our newest releases. If you are interested in receiving clinical services in holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and acupuncture in Chinese medicine, the student clinic at PRC provides more than 7,000 annual treatments. Live holistic nutrition and herbal medicine consultations are both available online, while acupuncture and Chinese medicine treatments can be had at our Victoria campus. Free treatment options are available in all areas. Visit the student clinic at pacificrimcollege.com for more information and to book your appointment. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, up your dose of vitamin nature and seek the medicine within you.